and welcome to Speak Pieces, the podcast in association with the BCIT Debate Commons. My name is Raphael, and it's my pleasure to be your host. Thanks for joining us on our inaugural episode and the beginning of our journey. My co-host Allison Rose and I have been trying our hardest to get episodes out to you guys, and we figured that our first and foremost step should be to let you all in on the ground floor and give you a better idea of what it is we're doing here. The original idea was to provide a platform to promote the debate comments and host the conversations that we were having there. But as we got started, the potential of the podcast medium started to enable bigger and better ideas. It's taken us some time to get our bearings, and what you'll soon hear are the snippets of audio that I was able to salvage from our previous attempts at recording, back during the earlier days of this pandemic. The good news is that we've now found our groove, and we're excited to start releasing some exciting stuff. To understand speak pieces, it's perhaps best to begin with the debate comments. So I had Allison tell us a story of how it got started. So we started as the Enlightenment Society. Um, I didn't really want to have debate in the name just because I don't want us to be pigeonholed as a debate club because a lot of people just frankly don't like debate. They don't. They would look at it on the face of it and say like, I'm not interested in arguing or like competitive kind of arguing that sort of thing, which is not what we do. We just try and promote conversation and differing opinions and rationalizing opinions. So I started out with the name Enlightenment Society, hoping that we we would just be a well-rounded place to kind kind of broaden your understanding and opinion. Uh, When I presented that to the student association uh, board uh, for sanctioning, they had an issue with the name. They said there was already another club or not a club, some other society in BC that had a similar name. So I was like, okay, that's no problem. I'll change it. So I changed it to the Enlightenment Commons. And I was like, oh, Commons is nice because it's that's a good word for what we do. We're all coming together and collaborating and that sort of thing. Brought it back to them a month later at their next meeting because they had monthly meetings. And they said, no, that's going to be a problem as well. And I said, okay, well, like, what's what's going on here? How about the Enlightenment Club? And they're like, no, it's not the second part of the name. It's the first part of the name. I said, what What are you talking about? And they said, oh, well, the word Enlightenment is offensive. Like that was a time period where people were persecuted based on their religion. And I was like, that's, uh, I'm referring to the Enlightenment period of scientific revolution. Why is it that somebody hears Enlightenment and the first thing they think of is oppression? Yeah. And religious prosecution. Yeah. I I was I was pretty dumbfounded. I didn't have a lot to say in the moment. Honestly, I had not considered that that could be the problem. That's why I was changing the second part of the name thinking like, oh, it's just because they don't want us to be confused with this other society. I'm like, that's fair. I'll change the second part. And when they rejected that as well, I was like, what's going on? Like, I have no idea what the problem is. So we eventually landed on the name Debate Commons because they said, if you put the debate if you put the word debate in the name, we will sanction you. I said, that's great. I would really just like to get started because this was probably four months into the sanctioning process. Now, before we continue, let's try to consolidate some of these ideas. It might be helpful for us to observe ourselves as we interact with them. To begin, enlightenment comes from the idea of cognitive illumination. Learning something new can feel like discovering a light where there was previously only darkness of what was unknown. To those of you more philosophically inclined, Plato's allegory of the cave might leap to mind, where prisoners in a cave are captivated by shadows on a wall without understanding of how they're produced. That is until one of them is freed and allowed to observe the outside world, and rushes to try to convince the former cellmates who are still under the spell of the cave shadows. 
Personal enlightenment can often make us feel like that released prisoner, unable to communicate the illumination to others. But the issue with the allegory is that in reality, everyone feels as though they themselves have found the light and that everyone else is staring at the shadows. Plato's allegory becomes a lot more raucous, when you have to imagine that the prisoners are arguing over which one of them actually managed to leave the cave. To sort truth from perceptions, we have to engage in real conversations. But this has become more and more difficult in recent times. Partisanism, ideologies, and social politics continuously pester us and force us to identify with one set of beliefs or another. This might be good for a group, but is it healthy for the individual? Is it effective for figuring things out? It's like we're treating conversations like warfare. Yeah, and that, for sure that was my impression of what debate was. And that's why I, I never had any interest in like being part of a debate club, learning to debate, nothing like that. But I always enjoyed conversation. Since I was a little kid, I loved conversation. I would always try and learn things from people and talk to people and just understand people. I found that incredibly interesting, but I didn't know that productive debate and real debate wasn't just trying to hammer in your point. As soon as we draw lines in the sand, liberal or conservative, democrat or republican, orthodox or progressive, we enter into the age-old us or them, and our once useful conversations devolve into bickering. Debate is supposed to be structured and moderated argument, deployed to sort out the truth. Argument is supposed to be as simple as, here's the statement, and this is why it must be true. Normally, of course, we have to get more complex than simple logical syllogisms. But these should be avenues of interest rather than fronts of the culture war. And if these avenues interest you, you're already in the right place. Hopefully, with the right marketing, we'll attract people who are interested in debate and want to debate competitively. We have the structure coming into place to be able to give them a place to train and learn and practice. And also a place for people who are just interested in having conversation or even interested in just practicing, like you said, like learning to get their point across in a concise manner. Not many of us are actually trained for conversation. I used to and still have many problems with self-articulation. But my earlier experience with a debate club in high school helped me figure out ways to sketch out what I'm trying to say as I'm talking. And this helps me get across what I mean when saying what I mean directly is a little too fraught with errors. Like, some form of miscommunication, I'll bet that's the cause of at least 75% of arguments, or a reason that they continue. It's, I truly believe it's an art form to be a good conversationalist, or to be a good speaker. And how often do we actually say what we mean rather than what we think we're supposed to say? It's much easier to quote cultural memes and cite symbols that might represent an argument, but this is often disingenuous and ineffective. Do any of us ever look at a meme and of something that we disagree with and think, oh, well now I understand. Memes are like a fungi growing spontaneously from media. Mainstream media in particular seems to be in the business of opinion mass production rather than simple factual reporting. Can this go on? I think there's a shift happening away from that, but I do think that media, especially these days, is just causing people to go really polarized in one direction or the other. And it's making it really hard to talk about the gray area in between. There's obviously 
a platform and a desire for long format discussion. Like, I mean, there's no reason that Joe Rogan podcast would be as popular as it is if there wasn't. Like, there's people who are sitting down every day to listen to a three-hour podcast with some science professor. Like, that's... I don't think we've ever been in a place where there's been that many interested people to sit down for three hours and listen to people talk about science or athletics or whatever the guys are talking about those days. So... I think definitely it's it's become more polarized, but there is a counterculture that's reacting to that and saying that like we need to be talking about those like the nuance of the conversations, the gray area, the things that we can't really sum up to right or left or yes or no. And so we find ourselves in the world of podcasting. I'm a very big fan of podcasting, regularly consuming hours a day. When Allison first invited me to the debate commons, it didn't take long for the plan to hatch and for things to be set in motion. It's clear that we need a space to confront, engage with, and develop our ideas and opinions without getting drawn by social magnetism to bad faith discussions. Yeah, we kind of, I think we have similar values, similar ideals, different opinions about most things. Some we have the same, but we just try and support each other to have a place where conversation gets to continue. But when it comes to exploring ideas, bad faith is very difficult to avoid. Enlightenment is potent enough that it becomes part of our identity. Ideologies need to be carried in mind to be considered alive and worth our time. But to carry one is like making it a part of yourself. Naturally, we begin to identify with the things we believe. And so to be challenged on an idea is like having a part of you attacked. Thesis to antithesis, to synthesis, becomes thesis, to offense, to defense, to insult, to fallout, and so on. We start out trying to learn and discuss, and end up trying to hurt each other. But this doesn't mean that offense is solely negative. I think of offensive is, I think that's the inherent trouble with it, is that it's completely subjective. What's offensive to you might not be offensive to me, or at least this is the, the common definition of it right now, is that you decide what's offensive to you, and it could be anything. Being offended means that we've been challenged. We've been challenged to grow our ideas and learn. It will require us not to identify so strongly with ideas and to be willing to dissect and explore them. The ego will take a hit, but the self will grow to benefit. Some things are offensive to hear, but you should still hear them. Like, the other day, I had a couple friends over, and we were talking about each, because we're really close, each of our worst qualities. So we were okay. talking about the worst thing about each of us. And it got around to me in the table. And pretty much at this point, we'd just been making fun of each other for like dumb little things that we do that aren't mm. really, it's not like a huge character flaw. It's like the stupid little things. One of my friends mispronounces most words all the time on repeat. Instead of alumni, alumni. Uh, instead of Jeep Cherokee, Jeep Cherokee all the time and it's just hilarious so it got around the table to me uh and i was told i have the predisposition to be a hoarder a hoarder a hoarder like you know i could say that's offensive to hear my my aunt was like a proper hoarder my mom's a borderline hoarder so there's a good chance that i've got hoarder in me I could say that's offensive to hear. Okay. But it was a good wake-up call to know that my friends have noticed that I have the possibility to go down the route of being a hoarder. But you're not actually a hoarder. I mean, I could do it. Easy. Okay. Because I'm, I'm the kind of person who I see something that, like, should be thrown out, and I'm like, oh, but you could, like, 
you could fix it up. Like, I, I feel bad for inanimate objects. I'm like, oh, someone's given up on this thing. It's all, like, worn out. What if we just sanded it down, refinished it? It could have a whole new life, and then we could put it over there. And I just, like, I like things to... Well, you know, they're not all objects of Toy Story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. To me. Ignorance might be blissful, but it's worth moving on and learning to grow and change. If we can manage to brave the difficulties, we'll find ourselves exploring cognitive space and discovering new realms and dimensions of ideas. Speak Pieces aims to be the vehicle with which we do so, and I'd like to be the first to welcome you aboard our cognitive spaceship. Of course, we'd like you to be a part of the crew in a much bigger way than normal. We'd love to have you come on and speak your piece. Give us your opinions, disagree with us, come and join the conversation. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube, and find us wherever you get your podcasts. We'd really appreciate your support. This is us for now, and we're looking forward to having more conversations in the future. Bye!